0: Ah, uh, gamers can uh, use the assets in any manner they see fit in any game in any in any meta I- meta world that they enter. Um, I want them to be able to express themselves as uh, that as they as they see fit, uh, and that's where I got the uh, the name Rorschach.
1: Watchmen, you know, like the Alan Moore graphic novel, was so influential because it was the first example of these imperfect anti heroes who were. Both heroes, but also problematic, like the comedian, and like ha- the fact that the old way of doing comics wasn't going to be sustainable into this postmodern world where like good and bad kind of had different connotations. And so in a poetic sense, in a philosophical sense, your project highlights how the old gaming world isn't sustainable in the ways you've talked about and how you're kind of liberating it in the way that that story liberated the graphic novel format. You're tuned to, to the, the R-Cast, R-Cast, where we talk about the blockchain on the R-Cast and how your data remains. It's the Rcast, where R-Drive is the topic. Censorship-resistant permanence. Yeah, we got it. What's up, everyone? It's Andrew from RDrive, drive back with another episode of the Rcast. This is episode seven with Christian Cimito, who started Rorschach, which is a way game developers and players can store their assets in a decentralized way. He uses R-Drive, and it's been going well, and he was a really... Interesting person to talk to. We'd never interviewed anyone in the gaming space before, but uh, it was a really fun interview. So check that out. Uh, The NFT shirts have been sent. So if you received one, please post a photo and we will retweet. The new newsletter goes out January 31st. So be sure to sign up rdrive.io slash newsletter we're having a new public bounty contest on february 1st so be sure to keep your eyes peeled for that shout out as always to Rweave news for retweeting and promoting the cast. and shout out to the permacast network for hosting these episodes for perpetuity so let's jump right into it this is my interview with christian from rorschach Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Rcast. I'm here with Christian Samito. This is our first interview with anyone in the gaming sphere, and I'm super excited to have him on the Rcast. So, uh, Christian, how are you doing today? What's going on?
0: Hey, man. Uh, I'm doing amazing. It's uh, it's been a rough couple of weeks with, with uh, our launch. and uh, But everything's going pretty well, so I'm pretty excited to start talking about that.
1: You've been working on this for a while, and it's exciting to talk to you because we really haven't talked to anyone in the Web3 gamer world. And this thing that you and your team have created, you're doing things that haven't been done. Do you want to just like explain the project a little bit to people who may not be familiar with it?
0: Sure, sure. Um, So Rorschach is actually a project that I've been working on for the last, oh, I've been thinking about the project for the past, for the last year and a half, but I only really started uh, developing the project sometime around April of last year. Uh, Rorschach is a gaming-focused NIT platform uh, that empowers creators to deploy cross-game interoperable assets. Uh, The platform provides a decentralized way to a decentralized end-to-end solution for uh, traditional game developers who want to easily plug into the metaverse. So the main goal for the project was to offer a uh, a, uh, a framework that allows assets that game game developers create as well as content creators to propagate into the metaverse without having to uh, manually redeploy these these assets onto every single game that, that they want to deploy on. So the idea is to create a common standard or framework that increases scalability when it comes to deploying NFTs for not only just games, but also any type of asset really.
1: On your site, you have an interesting video that has an overview and you mentioned that there's like a high barrier of entry for traditional game developers entering the blockchain space. Um, and I thought that was it was interesting like how does your project help solve that problem
0: Tr- traditional game developers at this point really have a hard time um cr- I, I, they, they have a hard time trying to figure out what it is they want what, what it is they want to do on in the blockchain space um at this point there's very little tools and libraries that easily allow uh game developers to hook into blockchain technology there's you know, very few wallets that are, that are pluggable into game engines. There's, um, it's, it's, it's a little bit difficult. And if you want to do, if you do want to go and pursue the whole, uh, play to earn sphere, you have to go and create your own ecosystem, create the, the actual economics of the game. And realistically, not all games should implement their own economies. Like for example. Uh, like you know, chess or like um, small indie games. They, it's hard for them to create their own ecosystem of of uh, of, of gamers. It's easier to um, it's easier. It should be easier for them to just reward their gamers the way they normally would. But have but those assets are you know that that can exist all over the the metaverse. And uh, it's 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 a high barrier because there's just there's just too much to do. For them, as well as, you know, it's hard to hire game developers by themselves, let alone ones with uh, w- with blockchain experience. So it hopefully our project uh, provides all the necessary libraries and tools and frameworks that makes this entire process so much easier.
1: I love your optimism and I love like the idea that you're kind of liberating this new chapter in Web3 development because you have made a point on your site that you have trepidation about the big ch- uh, tech giants doing with web three, what they did with web two. And I thought that was interesting because that's like a common um, concern in the crypto world. I know like one of the main things that's exciting about R weave and R drive is this idea that like having truly decentralized data solves a lot of issues that were brought up with the, with the pr- previous era of the internet. So what do you think about that? Do you feel like there's a chance that like, big tech will try to take over Web3 Gaming? And and like, what are some of the concerns in that?
0: Um, without a doubt, big tech is going to enter the space. I mean, I worked at Microsoft and I had a lot of friends at Facebook. And from what I can tell, Microsoft specifically, for example, their main focus is to get all their gamers on their uh, xCloud platform. Because realistically, all the games at this point are going to have to make a choice. Either... Either they're going to get their game developers are going to have to be either um, trying to go at about uh, the next couple of years developing games by themselves or they're going to get acquired by big publishers that have uh, a lot of money to throw at them. So for Microsoft, for example, for in their gaming space, uh they're acquiring these big, big studios like at like the recent Activision uh purchase as well as the uh Bethesda purchase a couple last year. Their goal is to acquire content. And the content is important because that's how they attract the gamers and that's how they uh that's how that's how they're gonna retain their defensive state. They're on the defensive, they have a lot of money in the space, and because uh, the, the, the open metaverse is trying to build its own thing they have a lot of uh, uh, they have a lot to lose essentially and so not only are they trying to be uh, buying everyone as, as big content as much as possible it's it's uh, going to be a rough rough battle for the open metaverse with that said um, it's the, the, the promise for an open metaverse is significantly better for users and gamers mainly because uh they have a, a lot more freedom with regards to the stuff that they collect. Um, I think that both, met, both open metaverse as well as corporate metaverse are going to be a big thing. It, the only question is, um, and, and it's not going to be one or the other. Realistically, most people are going to be part of both ecosystems. The only question is, uh, would you prefer your assets to be somewhat locked behind uh, a, a walled garden? for each universe that you're gonna be part of, or just or just have your assets be usable a- anywhere you wanna go.
1: When I think about the history of gaming, um, back to the original games, it's the first example I can think of a, of this participatory media, this interactive multimedia where the gamers become part of the story. There's an emotional connection to it, there's this investment in time, in the community, And that's what's special about Web3. I think everything is kind of liberated. And one of the things you've been doing is working to get as many people as you can into the community. And that's what, like, Rorschach, your project has been doing well, trying to get the gamers and the game developers. Do you have different strategies with how you try to approach gamers versus game developers? Or do you find that the community kind of comes together?
0: I think that for gamers, they're pretty much tired of uh, all of the stuff that they've collected over the years having you know having, having have to have dropped them because they're continuously moving on to new games um, the just the promise of being able to take all of the interesting assets that they've collected they've spent a lot of time collecting just that promise is already uh extremely attractive Um uh, from a game developer's perspective um, to them it's a fight for survival at this point. Um either they're gonna get either they're gonna be forced to uh have their games sit in a uh in a walled metaverse kind of like uh uh xbox's uh xbox's ecosystem with, with not not terrible uh but the problem is xbox and Microsoft have majority of the power there they like can charge as high or as low fees or cuts to their uh to, to whatever whatever games get sold on there. And there's no and there's never a guarantee that those whatever uh, whatever assets that you create on that system um that 100% of that revenue goes to them uh, or go, goes to the developer. The promise for developers at least in the open metaverse is that they have full control over the the their creations and that's not guaranteed in a in the corporate ecosystem. Um and uh, the more assets they create because of the because nfts enable this this like this secondary uh, market, the more assets they create, the revenue for those for 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 the game developers just increase over time. Like the assets are, since the assets are permanent, they those assets never really go out of style.
1: The profitable model for Microsoft and other legacy gaming companies is the fact that they have these proprietary uh, walled off kind of, worlds, right? Where like you're stuck within their quote unquote sandbox in a way. And so this solves some of those issues, right? That's like the hope
0: that they yeah, had. Definitely. That's the hope. Now I'm not saying the sandbox is bad because those, uh, because you're part of a sandbox, you have some guarantees, uh, such as uh, a guaranteed, uh, some to some degree, a guaranteed amount of players playing your game. Um, but like all ecosystems, um, Realistically, it's only going to be the top maybe 5%, 2% of that ecosystem that is become, going to become, uh, uh, going to become uh, profitable. Um, and it's essentially a fight against, uh, a fight between game developers. But Microsoft being the, being the platform is just raking in parts of uh, any and all revenues that come in. So for a platform like Microsoft or even a platform like Facebook, or sorry, Meta, it's a brilliant business model. It's just, it's not very favorable to game developers overall.
1: Since it's such an attractive industry, it's kind of easy for people to be taken advantage of or or like the bigger companies might work people like really long hours. And that there's this idea that there's a need for equity and fairness for game developers. Because like, as you said earlier, their skills are really needed, but sometimes they're kind of not, I don't know. Do you do you think it's a common concern that some game developer like the bigger companies may take advantage of the fact that they're like the the cool big company?
0: For sure. Um I worked as a game developer back um when I when I had an internship at EA and I had an internship at uh another game studio and um the re- one of the main reasons that I ended up uh when after graduating college I ended up not pursuing game development as my uh, even though that was my initial goal coming into college was because game developers don't really get treated as well as other engineers in the space. Kind of like cattle to a certain degree. Not, I don't want to say they're cattle, but like it's they're kind of treated like to a certain degree. Um, and the, the, the model for game developer studios nowadays is slightly different. It's not, they don't hire as many full-time game developer engineers anymore. A lot of them are, uh, contractors, uh, which. It's it's just really shitty because they're the, these these engineers are your bread and butter. They're the ones that bring home the bacon, and for some reason, it's just they're not treated properly like any other engineer in the ecosystem. Like it it sucks. Um, so hopefully, with the with the uh, growth of the open metaverse, it that dynamic hopefully changes and game developers become more independent because there's more opportunity in the space.
1: We had a guest on the Rcast um, who created this platform called Pianity which is an NFT site for musicians. It's a, it's a similar thing because there are so many musicians and Spotify is like the popular sandbox that decides how much people get paid yada yada but the but something like it, like Pianity allows the musicians to actually be paid more because people decide how much the music is worth and so this idea of like liberating the platform from the legacy gatekeepers it's something i'm really passionate about and it's like really exciting to talk to someone who's doing something similar for the um for the gaming sphere and it's also crazy because gaming industry you'd know this more than me but like it's so profitable don't i read a statistic that they make like significantly more than movies do the gross is that true
0: yeah to a certain degree yeah mainly because games i, I personally i think uh games are signif- should be significantly more profitable than movies mainly because you know you play a game you spend hundreds of hours in it but if you watch a movie it's just you spend an hour and a half you paid 15 dollars for a movie yeah <laughs> but uh <laughs> but uh i think in like 20, 2020 2021 the gaming space was uh, about about i want to say about 130 140 billion dollar industry the problem with that is majority of those majority of that revenue actually just goes to publishers um, it doesn't even go to game developers as as much there's there is a few game developers that you know rise above the rest um, but because they have uh extremely popular games but those those games don't really last very long um the the revenue cycle of a, of, a, of a typical game is that the, mo- the most money they'll ever make is about one or two months after they've released the product. And then it trails off to zero over the next like half a year. And so even though a game developer you know, makes Mad Bank the first month, they have that, whatever, whatever revenue they make has to last them until their next game. Until their next game release, hmm. which you know that's it's never a guarantee that they're gonna get they're gonna release a new game after that uh, so the business model for game developers isn't actually that great um but they don't really have a choice because that's what the publishers have deemed their deal to be um and but I hope that with the advent of the open Metaverse, they have more control over what it whatever it is that they build and they have more control over the eco the economy um that either they want to be part of or the economy that they're actually building for themselves Um, and i think that because the open metaverse is a bit more um sustainable um i think that even gamers um, in addition to game developers can you know make make a little bit of revenue from or at least earn something based off the time they spend in, in these games. Cause right now I want to say out of like the hundreds of thousands of gamers, hundreds of millions of gamers out there, billions of games out there. I want to say only like three, 4,000 people actually make money ma- playing video games. And that's an extremely small amount. So hopefully with the, uh, with our news, with our new ecosystem, it, uh, it, it changes a little bit.
1: You mentioned earlier that one of the goals for Rorschach is giving a providing a standard for the implementation of assets which will lead to scalability and i was wondering if you could explain that to some some of our listeners like what an example of an asset is
0: essentially an asset is any uh any in-game item or yeah pretty much any in-game item that a, a player or a game developer deems has value but the the goal for uh the meta asset Framework is uh, to be able to give game developers the ability to deploy their asset once and have those asset, uh, assets be usable in any game that supports this, the, the framework. Uh, that essentially increases scalability because game developers don't have to go and manually deploy their assets to every, every digital world that they want to be a part of. Um, and if a game developer has, let's say, you know, a thousand assets that they that they just created for one game, it's they, they it's going to be difficult for them to go and redeploy that to, let's say, Decentraland and then redeploy that to the sandbox or re, and then redeploy that to any any world that they want their assets to be usable in.
1: Would it be like a hat, like a costume or?
0: Yeah, it could be anything. It could be um, so. So for us, we essentially created uh, four basic types of assets for now. So there's text assets like titles, achievements, um, stuff like that, uh, or or lore, or even like even like uh, like like game in-game history. Uh, you can turn that in on text asset. Uh, there's also image assets which could be um, guild emblems that could be you know any any texture, any image that uh, you can reward your players with. Audio assets, uh, something like sound effect or uh, a character line. Or a shout, even, uh, and then our the, the last asset that we've uh, the last type of asset that we've uh, created so far is a static asset. So so in-game trophies or uh, in-game decorations, where further down the line you can you can have these worlds where a, a, a gamer can come in and just cr- essentially design their world based off of the assets, based off of the decorations and the assets that they've collected uh, over the last you know five, six, seven years. Um but there are future assets that I haven't implemented yet mainly because it's it's a lot it's a little bit more complicated um a uh, lot of uh technical requirements um one of them a couple of them are uh like animations uh, animation assets like emotes or uh uh what are they called uh, poses for example uh characters character skins attachables like hats or guns or backpacks um there are many types of assets that uh that that can be turned into a, an n f t that can be you know distributed to the games and to 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 gamers um but you know over time we will slowly flesh those out. We just started with the low hanging fruits of uh text audio uh images and static static
1: objects like in a year or two, if we were to do another podcast, you'd be telling me about all these assets that you we haven't even thought of right as the gaming world is constantly changing and more and more people come into the sphere and it's like this amazing amalgamation of creativity what was the first game like that you fell in love with like that you played and you were like oh my gosh this is an amazing art form
0: oh there's so many over the course of years uh, for me this is good this is going to be kind of weird uh, mainly because like this is more of like this was more of a game that was more, more popular in southeast asia at the time um back in back when i was a kid i played a lot of this this game called ragnarok online uh, it was a popular MMORPG. I don't, I'm not sure if, if it uh, it was popular in North America, but that was. I spent uh, I want to say years playing that game. I had to pay a small amount of fee for. I, I would buy these these prepaid cards that would give me time like in game to be to be able able to play like a couple hours here, a couple weeks here and there, and stuff like that. Um, and that's that's how I fell in love with the MMORPG. Uh, genre, and then I moved on to Dota. Oh God, Dota, <laughs> and then uh, and then shooters. Uh, I played a lot of uh, Team Fortress Two. Uh, I really enjoyed my favorite shooter of all time, for sure, is uh, Titanfall. Oh, the movement in that game is absolutely ridiculous, uh, and and mech Titans, anyways.
1: <laughs> and, and so, like, like for example, so like Titanfall has such incredible graphics. Is it like is is so, so the scalability—I wonder, like, you know, right? Like, that's a lot of processing and a lot of um, data. How f- how has it been with the speed of things? Like, cause yeah, how has that been? Like, like, w- cause you—we're talking about R Drive. We're talking about R we Weave. Has it has the speed of being able to fetch the assets been able to keep up with the developers and gamers, or is it still too early to like try to? something like Titanfall esque into this world
0: uh, for us I think it's still relatively early um, I haven't so so for example um, the assets that I've created that that I've uploaded for example um, they range for each asset ranges from let's say a couple kilobytes to you know 15 20 30 hundred megabytes per asset depending on on the complexity of an asset um, I haven't spent the time to uh, how do I describe it? To uh, throttle uh, our Weave's download system, um, mainly because I don't have, uh, we, we there's not enough assets in the in our you know our test net to be able to, to, to see what that what that maximum is, um, but I would imagine that as R Drive improves over time, as more uh, nodes come online, uh, as well as more gateways come online, it becomes those download download times and uh uh uh, rebuilding of assets become much much better over time um again it depends it really depends on the complexity of an asset uh simple assets download just like that very very quickly Um, more complicated ones the ones that have uh, a lot more a lot more uh, triangles a lot more uh, the bigger meshes um especially the ones with uh, a lot more complicated textures those ones take a little bit time to download but Apologies, I I don't really have good numbers with regards to uh, let's say with regards to like let's say a thousand people download the asset at the same time. How how many how many of those people are going to be able to uh, how many of those may fail or how many of those may succeed? Um, With when it comes to decentralized uh, ecosystem, I think it's or uh, or decentralized storage. I think it's still relatively early for um, for projects like us to be able to uh, to say. Um, I think that over time, as we flesh out a lot more uh, of the ecosystem, we'll eventually hit these uh, thresholds and we'll we'll, we'll we'll work through them.
1: We will conquer all, all the barriers and we will keep trying to find creative solutions and whether it's like faster gateways or figuring out ways to access the data because yeah, it's like everything is still relatively new and we're still figuring it all out. And before we started the interview, um you were talking about how how you use R Drive and Rweave and I was just wondering if you you didn't mind speaking for a minute about like how you use yeah, how have been using Rweave to um to help deploy the files and everything. For our
0: asset framework, um we essentially require uh, assets to be permanent. In a sense that there there cannot be any rug pulls any uh, at any given time further down the line. Um, our goal is to make our assets the, the meta asset um, as as permanent as it possibly can, and that's why we decided to to work with on our our drive. or sorry, our weave um, because those asset those those uh, the storage is actually permanent, and so uh, all of the assets that will be deployed on on Rorschach um will be uh hopefully will be sitting on uh on our weave as well as the metadata for down the line um and we decided to go with our drive because it has an amazing ui and intuitive interface that easily allows game developers and content content creators to just upload the asset you know, get the necessary information, the necessary uh, transaction IDs, and then link it to uh to uh, our NFT pla- uh, NFT launcher, and everything just works lovely. Everything is just great. Our um, drive and we our drive has such a good uh, UI uh, that further down the line, um, maybe we fully integrate with our um, drive's our uh, file system. Um, that we can just directly upload assets to our drive. Um, but, you know, we're still relatively early and uh, we need to spend a bit more time on uh, developing the front end uh, of our project. So uh, we'll get there eventually.
1: <laughs> Christian, I'm so glad you found our drive and I'm so glad that like we've been able to talk about all this exciting work you and your team are doing And it's just fun because it's like, I love working in this space because it's just the potential of creativity and like the human experiment of trying new things and the excitement of like permanence, the idea that generations to come, people will find this interview, for example, they'll find your assets, they'll want to know about Rorschach and the history of of the project in the early days. And and my last question for you is, I I wanted to ask about the name because I was wondering, if it's is it related to like the idea that in psychology you see a Rorschach test and it and and you kind of it, it tells you something about yourself what you see in it or like what's the origin of the name because I love the name.
0: When I started this project, I didn't really know what to call it. Uh, as I was watching this movie Watchmen, I was looking at Rorschach and uh, the character Rorschach, and his he's wearing this mask that changes depending on who he's who he's fighting and who he's uh, talking with, and I realized that um, the project. That I'm creating, I wanted it, it to be as uh, fluid and as personal to any game developer and any creator and any gamer that's using it. So the project itself is so uh, flexible in that any game developer is free to use the the platform in a way it, however they want to go and use it. Um, creators can create whatever type of asset they want to create. Uh, gamers can uh, use the assets in any manner they see fit in any game in any in any meta meta world that they enter. Um, I want them to be able to express themselves as uh, that as they as they see fit, uh, and that's where I got the uh, the name Rorschach.
1: Watchmen, you know, like the Alan Moore graphic novel, was so influential because it was the first example of these imperfect anti heroes who were both heroes but also problematic, like the comedian and like. Ha- The fact that the old way of doing comics wasn't going to be sustainable into this postmodern world where like good and bad kind of had different connotations. And so in a poetic sense, in a philosophical sense, your project highlights how the old gaming world isn't sustainable in the ways you've talked about and how you're kind of liberating it in the way that that story liberated the graphic novel format. So I don't know if that's intentional, but I think it's a really poetic connection
0: (laughs) there. Yeah, I actually never thought about it that way, but... Uh yeah that's 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 what I wanted to convey in a sense that uh the system isn't perfect and there are a lot of things to improve um and my goal is to just continue the uh the development of the ecosystem and hopefully make our, uh, you know, the metaverse, the actual open metaverse, um, a lot more interesting and sustainable for everyone involved and not just, you know, those in power.
1: I love that. And I'm so glad that you're using the R drive platform to do this. And I love that you've had time to talk to me. And I, I know you're a busy person, anything we can do to help we want to keep doing because uh, we want to you know, champion you on our platform. So thank you, Christian, for your really thoughtful answers, for your time. And um, yeah, Like, wh- where can the listeners go to learn more about the project? Where should we direct them?
0: You can essentially reach the project at Rorschach.io um, and follow us on Twitter on Rorschach for more information as well as uh, announcements for our project. Um, our hope is that we try to build a a a very open and um, interesting uh, metaverse for not only us, but also for everyone involved, all the stakeholders. Um, We hope that the decentralized metaverse does actually catch on in a much bigger way than it already has, and it continues to grow. And uh, we want to be part of that. Uh, Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I really appreciate uh, the time you've uh, allocated for uh, our project.
1: Christian what a cool guy we'll be back in two weeks i'll be interviewing yt cracker who's a blockchain pioneer a rapper i've worked with a lot over the years a hacker great guy if you missed it there's a new video about frequently asked questions that we posted on the r drive youtube and twitter where we answer questions people have been asking. If you have questions about the technology, hit us up on Twitter, at rdriveapp, or jump on the Discord. And be sure to check out the new NPR story on how Rweave is being used to store the history of the free press in Hong Kong as it's been censored. So I'm Andrew. We'll see you next week on the Rcast.